And so unless, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. And if we have time permitting, we'll go to First um, uh, Peter. But um, we'll go as far as we can. And uh, y'all pray for me because um, this old skeletal frame is somewhat worn. You know, back when I grew up, poor guy. And, I mean, I was married and had a child. And my wife had a blowout between Dallas and Houston before I realized that they sold tires new. I had never bought a, a, a new new tire in my life until I looked up and I said, well, I, I guess I better. I got somebody else work Because if I had a blowout, I just jumped out and went rolling down the road until I got me another used tire. And I, you know, I always used to leave here thinking, what idiot would throw away a good tire like that? And, and I wouldn't, you couldn't give me a used tire. <laughs> it's amazing how your perspective changed. I don't know how I got, how I got off on that. But uh, anyway, uh, uh we started buying new tires after that. Well, but we got to stay the course and uh, not give up. And uh, we wear out things. Our old body gets, you know, that's how I got off on that. It's like those old tires, but you just got to keep on going. You know, we used to put boots in them. And I bet you there's people here don't even know what a boot is. But you don't know what a boot is, do you, for a tire? I mean, that's literally, you can, you got, you got, you got a tube sticking out of it, and you don't want, you know, a tube ain't gonna last, so you buy a big, big, big piece of rubber and put it in there. It's called boot. Then you put it back on there and shoot, that's good as new. Let's go. And, uh, I mean, wow, you get a whole lot more mileage out of this thing. <laughs> Boy, that's, that's, that's skimming around long. I bet you know where it is, right, Brother Ray? <laughs> Well, but we didn't have two desires back in those days. It's just two. <laughs> well, in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, God tells us that he, he draws the comparison. And, you know, yeah, as I was preparing for this lesson, it, it, it again was brought to me the, the, the knowledge and the instruction from God that, look, we're not greater than our Savior. If he struggled... If he suffered, we are going to suffer. And he says, look, if he did it, it can't own it. We're, it's coming on us too. So, uh, uh, and that's exactly what he teaches. And so here he says, wherefore, verse, chapter 12, verse 1 of Hebrews, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. You know, it's, you can practically teach a whole lesson on just that one little short spot right there. It easily besets us. And what does Satan tell us that when we have done something for the nine jillionth time that he said we wouldn't? And, uh, but nevertheless, Satan would have us to believe that God goes weary with us. He's not going to have anything to do with it, but he's a liar, of course. God knows exactly how we are, and he says it here in his word, that sin easily besets us. And we're not to, get, we're not to quit. We're not to lay down. We're to, it's, it's a race that you're running. You trip, fall down, get up, and get back after it. And, and the first part of that getting up is asking God for forgiveness. Yes, again and again and again and again. And that's part of the race. That is part of the race. And he says, And the sin which does so easily besets us. And let us run with patience 
In other words, if you think about it, the fact that we want to quit, we want to just just go away somewhere or whatever. What did David, David said, oh, that I was a dove that I could just fly off. I like to fell out of my chair when I saw that was in the Bible because I fought that many a time. And there it sat right there in the Bible. And uh, David thought, had the very same thoughts as we did. I mean, sometimes life can get so complicated, so difficult. And, and, but uh, we're not to, uh, but we're to run it with patience. And the race, now look, it's not just, just some random race. Each one of us has a race that's set before us. Well, who set it? God. God set that race. And, you know, the question is going to be one day when we stand before our Savior there at the Bema seat. I don't know exactly how he's going to set that race before us and in the front of us, but the question is going to be perhaps he'll have a line all the way down, and you can see the end. Is our line going to go to the end? Or is it going to be where we just quit? And uh, Brother Rick was talking about that gentleman that just kind of gave up. And you know what? Uh, that, that's always tempting to do that. But the, that is not a suitable alternative. Because if it's, it's you either have the Lord or you have Satan. There's not, only, there's not an in-between. There's not some sort of... Uh, innocuous in between. There's just Jesus Christ and walking uh, in holiness and in godliness. And you say, well, ain't one of us holy. Listen, when you have asked God to forgive you your sins, when you've gone to Him uh, as He instructs right there, right here in Hebrews, He says, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all ways tempted as we are. Yet without sin. So therefore come boldly before the throne of grace and mercy for help in time of need. When you've done that, you are holy. You're cleansed. Because it is the blood of the Savior that's cleansed us. And that is holiness. That's what holiness is about. Holiness is about, it's not about walking out here in some sort of mystical type deal where you, you're just touching everybody and like pixie dust and all this kind of stuff. That's not holiness. Holiness is down there where the nitty-gritty is. That's Jesus did. He came to this earth, and he got in there, and he mixed it up with sinners. He was holy. And that's as precisely as we are. Yet without sin, he says, that race is set before us, and we run it patiently. Now, you say, well, it's just so difficult. It's so complicated. And, and, and I just can't hang on. I, well, you're not hanging on. You're to simply look to the Savior. He says, looking unto Jesus. In other words, you say, well, what is that going to do? It's exactly as if you are looking um, that something is going to, if you could, if you could, if this help you visualize an iconic picture of it, it would be just like you look to Jesus and this straight just pours out of Him into you. He will hold you when you cry out to Him. Just exactly as a woman with the blood issue, when she reached for the Savior, she was healed, she was saved, she was strengthened, her life was changed forever towards that which is winning. To victory. Because she turned her back on 
carnality. So we're to look unto Jesus, the author. You say, well, who in the world brought all this about? Well, look, you know, faith that cannot withstand testing, that's not faith. That's like somebody giving you a check, you know, and, and let's just say somebody gave you a check for $100,000. Well, would you take that and frame it, hang it on the wall? I don't believe so. If that, if that rascal is real, you can go hot-foot it to that bank. Because you, you want what that thing says it is. Well, he's the author and finisher of our faith. And so he, he is real. He will come through. He's a genuine thing. And you can count on that. He's not a fake. He's not a, 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 a counterfeiter or someone who exaggerates that this is just some sort of a, a sideline that, that, you know, you kind of think about occasionally when uh, all the other options have already given out. You know, I saw a show one time, I was watching on TV, and these guys were in this old sailing ship, and it's out in the dark, and it's in the fog, and all this kind of stuff, and they're trying to pick their way through it, and they, and they exhausted all their ideas and everything, and one of them said, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. I thought to myself, that should have been the first thing you do. i tell you what, man, you know, when you get into business, many a time, and I know... A couple of gentlemen in here, probably there's several of us, and we all do, we get into situations and stuff, and there's nothing like asking God to get to your problem before you get there. And you walk in there, and you see that he has, and man, it's just, just nothing like that. Lord, please deal with these people, deal with these hearts, deal with these circumstances before I, as I get up and to, to, to go into this, because I'm not going to turn away. But I ask you to get there first. And he will. And he does. Because we have a God that's faithful. And, and you know, my goodness, you know, it says in Matthew that if we're being evil and we give good gifts to our children, how much more so will your heavenly Father who is holy give good gifts to his? So he uses that example. And so, you know, and so, so when if you had a child... And God says that we're broken and, and, and you know, and we're weak. And, and we cannot do anything without Him. That's exactly what He says. All right? We say, well, all right, Lord, I, 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 that's exactly right. I guarantee you. I tell God all the time, you're 100% right. I, I can't do nothing about you. So, all right. If you had a child who, say, had a club foot, well, what would you think of him? He's always whining around, well, you know, my foot, you know, and I can't do anything, and, you know, my foot hurts, and I can't study, and my foot hurts, I can't help mom wash the dishes, my foot, all this kind of stuff, on and on and on and on. If you got any brain in your head, you're going to light him up. He goes, I'm not, I'm not listening to another thing about that foot. Now, on the other hand, if this child... Every time you looked up, boy, I mean, he just, just hustled the best he could, you know, best he could, best he could. Never said a word. Always give it a, what are you going to think? You want me to think about my hugging? Well, what did God say? How much more so would your heavenly father do for his children? You see, the heart is what God looks at. 
kids with the club food. Not going to be able to do it as good as everybody else. Well, who's the best out there? That kid. Because he gives me everything he's got. That's what you're looking for. That's what God's looking for. A heart for God. Because it's a given. We're not going to get everything right. Because we're broken. We're sinners. But you know what? We better get that heart thing right. And that's what really counts. Why do you think Jesus picked old Peter? I mean, this is a cat. It showed up wearing a sword beside the Son of God. I know Jesus must have looked at that and thought, here I am, I created all the heavens and the earth and everything. This guy's got a sword on. Like, like he's going to overcome something I can't. But Jesus didn't, you know, rip him up one side down the other. What are you doing with that stinking sword on? I'm the son of God. He didn't do that. And then on top of all that, whipped to that, cut the guy's ear off. You see, Jesus loved old Peter because his heart was right. He's zealous. He's either, either getting it all wrong on the surface. You know, we look at that thing, oh, well, you know, how, how ignorant can you possibly be? Well, it's not, it's not what he did so much as where his heart was. He was willing to, to expose himself, getting arrested and all that kind of stuff and getting a sword run through him. And that's what our Lord was looking at. Do you have that kind of zeal? See, Peter was a zealous rascal. That's what he wants for us. He says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. I know it feels like we're the finisher, but it's him. He's, he's and you know, I'm tell you something. He's the one deciding what grit sandpaper is going to be laid, laid on us in the morning or tonight. You ever notice how how much that starts hurting when you lay down at night? You get up and it hurts even more, and you lay down and it hurts. It, it, it's, it's just that's just that's just life in this old broken body. Boy, I tell you what, it's not going to happen. But wouldn't it be something if God gave us each one of us just a little bit of time with Satan, give him peace for our mind, right before we get thrown in the hell? He's the one brought all this grief down on us. And uh, but anyway, not. But anyway, he's a finisher. See what the finisher do when he's working on, you know, finishing a. a uh, maybe he's made a nice carving or something. He's, he's sanding it down and all that. Well, if we still got a whole bunch of stuff that's hanging all over us, he's, he's going to whip out that rough grit sandpaper. At some point, he's getting that stuff off of us. You know, he might even speed it up a little bit. That hurts. Well, he's the finisher. Who, for the joy that was set before him, now look, he says, who for the joy that's set before him? In other words, my goodness, he's Jesus, the Son of God, the Creator, created everything. But yet he set all that aside and endured the cross. Did he like it? No, he didn't like it. But that's what he did for us. And you know, the thing is, we need to keep that in mind as we start to complain and, 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 get, and get full of doubt 
and start dragging around like, well, my foot, my foot, and all that kind of stuff. I know you don't say that, ain't nothing wrong with your foot, but you know what I'm talking about. Griping and complaining about your weaknesses, your shortcomings, and all that. Yeah, I heard all that. What about your heart? You going to get in this battle or not? Well, Jesus endured the cross. Then he despised the shame. Can you imagine that? What, what a terrible contradiction of, of what everything he was, what all he was. The Son of God, the creator of the heavens and the universe. And yet he stayed his hand that we might have life. And he set the example, and he set the pattern for us. And he says, you see, we're joint heirs. Well, guess what else you get? The suffering. The difficulties. The complexities. He endured the cross, despised the shame. But hallelujah, praise God, we're joint heirs. And look where we're going. Set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's the same pathway we're going. But the thing is, is we got to stay the course. You know, this on again, off again, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, don't be one of those kind of people. I, I, you know, that's just like the Houston Texans. They go out and draft this uh, real good defensive end. You know, he's supposed to be everything to everything. I know he got hurt and all that kind of stuff, so we're going to find out next year whether he's for real or is he dragging anybody's foot. Well, you know, you go out there, you pay a million dollars for one of these tickets, and you expect to see these cats really get after it. And some of them really do do a good job. But there's always somebody. You, you look over and they just never really live up to the building. Well, you know, and, and, and now... Now, on the other hand, y'all remember, now, I'm not an old Cowboys fan. My goodness, some of y'all in here know. I think the Cowboys are like I do. Well, I'll leave all that alone. But uh, old, a fellow named Bates, you know, kind of medium deal white guy, played for the Cowboys. And you, you, you couldn't help like him. Even, even a guy like me, who's not a Cowboys fan, I like him. Because that rascal was always sticking it in there. He's going after it, going after it, going after it. This uh, average white guy. But yeah, you know, you couldn't help but like him. And they kept him until he got too old to fight. But boy, he had the heart that ball. And see, that makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference. I tell you what, it makes the, it's, it's not about your level of intelligence and you're, you're having a home runs, you knock out of the park and all this kind of stuff. You don't have to be Brother Stone. You have to be what God gave you. The parable of the tablet, I mean, it is such a wonderful thing to hang on to. All God has is what He gave you. He gave you one, that's all He wants. He's not asking for five, and He gave you five. Just figure out, between you, it's up to us to figure out what God's given us. And don't be one of these on again, off again, like going to a ball game, but He's not doing that. What well, that mean? Well, you know, the old sideline got somebody to go over and rub me down or something. You know, don't be one of them kind of people. You know, just, just, just lay it out there. Go after it. And, 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 and he's the author and finisher of faith. He said, so consider him. Or consider him. 
the imaginary God instructed us to take into account. Look at Jesus for just a second, would you? He didn't have to do all of that. But he not only came here as an infant. And you know, I cannot even imagine how people stunk in those days. You know, and I know I talked about my Sunday school class Sunday, and, and I, I was nailing packs to it one time. I used to carpet in a new house. It was empty. It was in there by myself. In the back bedroom. And all of a sudden, I smelled this odor. I mean, it was something like I had never smelled before in my life. And probably, you know, you know, minutes, pretty long time, you're just sitting there waiting. So I'm, I'm, I'm going just a little bit down that wall down the pack strip. And about that time, this cat's standing at the door, and oh, my goodness. I mean, the paint's starting to fall off the wall because this cat's not so bad. Fortunately, I got up and opened the window, and there was a wind blowing into it. And, and I didn't know a human being could smell that bad. I mean, I smelled him from when he hit the door. Okay, you say, well, what's the point? The point is this. They didn't bathe. On a regular basis, from the time Jesus came here, you know, maybe some of those old queens did or something, but they didn't build a house with a bathtub in it. They get they, they get some kind of vessel, I guess, from time to time, and shine up a little bit. They had a lot of dirt all over them, you know, and and so now, and Jesus was perfect human being, so he had excellent smell. He left heaven and came into that. And ever, you ever been in a line somewhere and all of a sudden you go, you get a whiff of body odor? I mean, this is nothing you want to gag. What do you get in the line and everybody stunk like a, I mean, make a goat smell like a dead gum bottle of perfume. And they all did. Well, that just gives you just a little bit of an idea what kind of world Jesus came into. You know? And, and, and he came into all that, put up with all of that, because he says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. You know, it's easy to forget the gift that God gave us in Christ Jesus compared to where we are right now. Diane, I was just talking to she, her uh, lady that does her nails. You know, you know Get you, we all get our nails done, right? No, that's just normal. I better leave that alone. You know. My son one time went to his wife's nail girl, and she said, I ain't never going back. She had to go get a pair of uh, side cutters to cut his toenails. <laughs> now, y'all don't know what side cutters are. That's them big old pliers that electricians use to cut wires. <laughs> she didn't go back. Anyway, she just got back from Vietnam, and uh, we were talking about, you know, she fried up some spam. Spam! You know, that's that stuff when I opened when I was like about four years old, and I saw that jelly on top of it, and I resolved for the rest of my life I would never touch another can of that radioactive-looking stuff. And I have a... I'll starve completely to death before I even touch that stuff. Oh, they just raved over it. Just went crazy over it. 
and, 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 and so it shows you. Now I'm sitting there eating this chicken fried batch. Wow. I mean, make puppy full four freight trains. That's, that's, that's what I eat tonight. I was telling Terry about it. I mean, it's enough for a couple, a couple of deer hunters just to go on and on. That's, a good, that's good food. Well, as a matter of fact, it's so good back in, back in the medieval times, only kings were allowed to eat, eat, eat uh, uh, venison. That's how good it was. Yeah, that old king, first time he goes, that, he stopped right there. Nobody else eats any more venison than me. <laughs> he stopped right in the middle of his second bite. That back said, nobody eats no more venison than me. This stuff is good. And they did. They, you know, definitely tried to eat one of his Well, that's how blessed we are, but yet, you know, and, and, and so we're so abundant. But, but if you look, at um, they go over there and, and you know, they fried us and spam. They freeze to death all over. Well, imagine what was going on when Christ was here. So to consider him that he gives this contradiction of sinners against himself. I mean, Jesus didn't even have a home. So what kind of food was he served? And I know he was the son of God and he could keep that food and give him poison and all that kind of stuff. He said, but take into account all this. Look at all of this. Keep in mind, he was the Son of God. He wasn't just somebody that was just some ruffian that God put down here to, to get this all taken care of. He was Jesus, the Son of God. I mean, and, and, and the day is going to come when we're going to behold the majesty and the holiness that's going to emanate from Christ and the throne that he sets up. We're going to look at it and say, He is truly beyond anything words can describe. I have not seen or ear heard the things that God has got to spoke for us. But, you know, He tells us, He instructs us, keep this in mind. You know, as we want to give up, and we want to whine around and all this kind of stuff, He says, against Himself, leave you be weary and faint in your mind. You know, I thought I was the only one. And there it is right there in the Word of God. We all come to that sometimes. Now, thank you, Brother David Scott back there. I don't know how in the world you get up every day and do what you do. Go, go put up with a bunch of troublemakers every day. My job is to go make everybody do right. And oh, by the way, you're going to give me these words. I, mean, I just go in, boom, boom. You got any more? You got these two things there. I don't know how to do it. Oh, my goodness. But the thing is, is, is we live in a, in a broken, troubled, upside-down world, but we have to see how we have to put the same child, same situation, and you know good more than you're going to make sure you're going to do everything in your power to make sure nobody picks something from the child that can't be kept. Nobody sets out to mock him, ridicule him, or hurt her if it's a little girl. Because you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, you're gonna step in their stead. You can do everything you can to make sure that they understand that this life is a tough place. And you're going to try to raise them with the, 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 the knowledge of Tell us what happened to you before, come 
here who, who's got nine broken his iron. We are the priest. And Jesus is not our priest. The Bible says it. The many priests left, they say for the redeemed. And our high priest is Jesus. And so as we go through this life, he said, verse 4, you have not resisted above striving against sin. There it is. We are to strive against sin. That's, that's an effort. And you know what? No. We don't have some excuse that, well, I'm just, just, I just have these thoughts. And sometimes I just get taken up in them and I just get pulled away. Is that right? Everybody gets to have thoughts. But we're not supposed to get into them. And when we do, we're supposed to stop ourselves. We're supposed to take ourselves to the, to, to the, to Jesus and ask for forgiveness and, and get a hold of our life and live it as a poor, upright Christian. Well, strive against sin. Get with it. He says, you have forgotten the exhortation that it speaketh unto you as unto children. My son despises not the chastening of the Lord. You see, that is a fact. God is going to chasten us. He's going to correct us. That, that's written down right here in His Word. It's going to happen. Don't despise it, nor faint. When thou art rebuked of him. You know, it's over in Psalms 119, where the psalmist said, It has been good for me to be rebuked of the Lord. And I tell you what, you have not prayed that prayer. You, 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 need, to, you need to take a look at your life. Because it is good to be rebuked of the Lord. Because God's not going to let us just keep on going wrong way, wrong way. He's going to go, Him, come here. Because He's a good, faithful Father. In one way or the other, he's going to either put us in a bed of affliction or he's going to wrap us upside the head and going to do something, but he's going to rebuke us. That rebuke is a fact of life. It's a, I'm, it, it's a spiritual fact. And he says, don't faint when you're rebuked of God. Be thankful. Thank God for, you know, because that shows, because look at this. For whom the Lord loveth, wow, isn't it good to know that God loves you? Well, when you rebuke to him, proof that the God of the universe loves you. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. Now, I don't know if you checked that lately, what scourge is. That's the same thing as getting whipped with cat and nine tails. Let me tell you something. That was, that was rough. They love him didn't survive that. And so I don't know exactly the full parameters of that, but I do know one thing. Scourging is serious. Be prepared. The Christian walk, it's a serious walk. And these are serious matters. You can try to ignore them if you like, but you're going to ignore them to your own peril. These are serious instructions from God. And it's something that every Christian ought to absolutely know these verses very, very well. Because listen when it says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Now look, 
if you endure chastening, God dealeth you as with sons. That's, that's the process. I mean, we all know exactly what that process is like. And I can assure you it's not like some of these parents that are alive today. They're more like the ones that were alive when I was a little kid. You make one false move, you get slapped upside the head. When I was a little boy, about six, six years old, I remember polio was just like, that was a big deal. Everybody, you know, iron lung and all that kind of stuff. Boy, you had this, this terrible fear that you're going to catch that stuff and be trapped in the iron lung. I was like a little kid, you know. We'd take a bath. We only had one bathtub in our house. And the days of a kid, and you took, you first one to take a bath. Well, we had a bathtub dry all up our clothes when we hit that yard again. And you know, never ate really think about the fact. I know I was all dirty by the time we But that's just what we work. But the thing is, 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 he scourges. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastens, his scourges ever son he received. And if you endure chastening, God dealeth you as with sons. Well, see, when we were little, that polio was out there. And I don't know how I got on the bathroom sport, but nevertheless, it was kind of rough time. But the thing is, is I clearly remember walking in, in some air-conditioned drugstore or whatever, and we got anywhere near one of those chrome handrails I'd like to touch because they're cold. My mother see me touch that, she'd turn around and slap me upside the head. Right on the spot. And at the time, I thought, that's kind of rough. I'll tell you one thing, I learned not to touch none of that stuff. I mean, if you didn't start crying and falling on the floor and all that, oh, yeah, right. That'd be the last time you did that. There'd be a mound in the back of our house. Yeah, I swear he hasn't gone me. That's why that's I wanted to start crying throwing temper tantrums. That just didn't happen. Now you see all that kind of nonsense going on. Parents saying, please, and all that. Oh. We were taught the word please. Our parents did not say that to us. Well, it was serious business. They said, no, they meant that. And you didn't learn it. You, the easy way, you're going to learn it hard. But what are you learning it? Well, that's the way God did. Now, he's not me. But see, my mother did not want me to take polio. She was absolutely on the spot with that. I didn't touch nothing. If you did their chasing, God did it you as the son. For what son is he to whom the father takes it? No. Wow. Look, there is a description for the person who got that judgment. If you be without chastisement, whereof all are protected, everybody is chastised. That's the child of God. Then are you bastards and not sons. Look, you out here in secret sin. But we're keeping secrets from brothers and sisters in Christ, from your spouse. And you're doing it year after year after year. I'm not talking about some little document secret. I'm talking about secrets. But you don't want nobody to find out because they're, you're standing up on them. They're wrong. 
perspective of holiness of God, to be a genuine person, to be a person that's coming. You know, one thing about Jesus, it, that's why everybody wanted to be with him. He was a genuine person. But you know, we can be the same way. All we have to do is go to that person, go to that person, go to that person, and he will give us, he'll cleanse us, and he'll give us a walk that is absolutely a life of victory after victory after victory after victory over the evil that's easy. Let's not have more prayers. Father, we thank you for the joy and privilege it is to open your word face of morning. Father, just open our eyes and that we might hear it, that we might take of these words. Father, that all of you help us to understand that these words are words that you written for us. And so they're genuine, solid words of instruction. Help us, Father, to take them apart. Forgive us for we fail you. Thank you for the gift that they are, Father. Love you, love your word. Father, help us to, once again, grab hold of your word and love them. Know that it's for our benefit and for our good. It's your honor and your glory. Jesus Christ, amen.